Who are you serving? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Two questions, one easy and one requires you to be honest and think about. The first question is, who do you want to serve? If I'm not mistaken, everyone here would say, we want to serve the Lord. That's the easy question. Here's the one that is a little bit more difficult and requires some thinking. Who are you serving? And that's the question that we want to examine today and we will be examining today. How can you turn from serving mammon to serving God? The question assumes that we are all serving mammon. And we all are serving mammon before we serving God. Everyone serves mammon. The reason is, if you are not serving God, you are serving mammon. There are only two masters in this life. There's either God or no God. When you are not serving God, you are serving mammon. And we will talk about what mammon is. While it's easy to say we want to serve God, it's actually hard to serve God. Our actions, what we do, how we spend our time, betrays us. Where do you spend most of your time? What are you doing? You don't have to say, I am serving God. You can say, I want to serve God, but what are you doing? How do you spend your time? Reveals your allegiance. The Lord make this division very clear. There are two forces, God or mammon. Are you serving God or are you not serving God? If you are not serving God, then you are serving mammon. And some of us here will answer positively to my first question, we want to serve God, but I think most of us want to not answer anything in the second question. We want to defer it. We want to say, I don't want to answer that right now. But by you not answering and continue to not serve God right now, you are serving mammon. There are no other choices, whether you serve God or you don't serve God and you serve mammon. Joshua gave a very explicit instruction on how a person should examine himself in light of whether or not he serves God. Let's look at Joshua 24 verse 14. Therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. This is how we should serve the Lord. This is what God demands our service to be like. Fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, put away ye your gods. What are you serving today? Who are you serving today? Put away the gods with your father, meaning your tradition. I've always grown up with this in my house. This statue, this in your tradition, it's always been there. So you always bow down to it. And Joshua said, it's time to get rid of it. Those things, those things that are in the tradition that are contrary to what God wants you to do, get rid of it. I was born with a cell phone in my hand. I never know anything other than this. It's time for us to get away, get rid of those gods. If you find it difficult to get it away from your hands, you are serving it. Because everything that is difficult for you to do, that's what you are serving. Because that's what has a hold on you. What does it mean to serve God? To serve means to revere, submit to the demands of the master. A servant must faithfully execute the wishes and the desire of the master. 
If you are under the authority and the control of a master, you can't get away from it. If you're sitting here and you have, let's say, your master sitting next to you, you can't help but touch it, scroll up and down on it, even though you really don't want to, but it has control over you. The servant has no freedom. You cannot get away from your master. Only what the master explicitly gives you. So some of you might be asking, who am I serving? If you are serving God, God grants you freedom. God gives us freedom. If you serve mammon, you have no freedom. That's how you know. The Apostle Paul says, don't take your liberty for granted. God gives you freedom. Don't use your liberty that God gives you and serve mammon. God demands absolute and perfect love to him alone, no other gods. We see in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, the Ten Commandments, eight of them begins with, Thou shalt not. Like I said, to know God is to take away everything that isn't God. Therefore, the commandments tell you to begin to take away these things that are not God's. What you're left with is love God and love people. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The first commandment is not a positive commandment. The first commandment is a negative commandment. Because we come to God serving mammon, another god. And to begin to serve God, we must get rid of the other god or the other gods. Thou shalt not have any god before me. Otherwise, the rest of this commandment does not apply. So you need to get rid of all the other gods before you come because God will not share his glory. He will not share his glory with anyone. His servants must serve him and him alone, no other gods. The minute you bow down to another god, God will never be your god. You will no longer serve God when you serve another god. Here's Joshua ultimatum, the same chapter. To serve God, you must fear God. You must serve him in sincerity and in truth. And you must put away other gods. The actions that need to take place. When I come to the Lord the first time, when I recognize that God was the one that I want to worship, I burn literally everything. I didn't have money, not cash anyway. But everything, even my collection of comic books, which was very valuable. You shall not have any gods before. If you hold on to anything else, that's your God. If you can't get rid of it, you value whatever that you can't get rid of before God. And you cannot serve God and serve mammon. Well, I love the Lord, isn't that enough? I love God, isn't that enough? Can I continue to do what I need to do? I worship Him, I come to church on Sunday and worship Him, isn't that enough? My friend says, that's enough, why do you have to go to church? Why do you have to do all these things? Isn't that enough? But the Bible says it otherwise. Jesus said it otherwise. You cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. There are no compromise. God will not share his glory with anyone. He wants you, and he wants you, and nothing else with it. Just you. Now, Joshua says, his answer to all this was unequivocal. I mean, you cannot mistake what he's saying. In verse 15, he said, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, if everything I just said, and you sit there, even though on the surface you might agree with me, in your heart you're shaking your head, you know, no, I can serve God and everything else, this is what Joshua say. If what I say to you, if what he said to you seem evil to you, if it seems not right to you, here's what he said. Choose you this day whom you will serve. 
whether it's the gods of your father or the gods in Egypt, serve them. The Lord will not have you. You cannot serve the Lord if you think what his demands are too strict for you. The Lord says he will not have you as his servant. It is a privilege. It is an honor to serve God. We believe that the Lord is evil in demanding all this, then we should not serve him. We should serve gods of the Egyptian, gods of the Americans, gods of the internet, whatever gods that we love to serve. We cannot serve God if we don't serve God alone. Let's look at Christ's absolute devotion. This is how we should serve God. His consecration to the Father was an example of how we should serve God. Christ's test of devotion happens after he fasted for 40 days. He was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. The devil tempted him with three basic necessity in life. Number one, he was hungry. He said, turn this stone to bread. Are you driven by what to eat? Are you upset? Are you happy? Does your life revolve around eating? Jesus' response to this is, no. I will not turn this stone to bread because men shall not live by bread alone. If you live to eat, you are not serving God. I'm not just talking about enjoyment of eating. You are living just to put food on the table. You're not serving the Lord. This is what he said. Consider the birds. Consider all of the animals out there. Who takes care of them? Do they worry about going to work and put food on the table? Your father takes care of them. And the Lord Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. Riches. The devil brought him all the way up and showed him all of the riches and glory. The birds have their nests, the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. The devil showed him, look, all can be yours, all this riches, just bow down to me. And the Lord said, no, I will not serve anyone for riches. Is that your pursuit? Do you like the latest and greatest things that life can offer you? Is that your pursuit? Is that your parents' pursuit? Are they just looking to change? I want a new car, I want a new house, I want a new something new, some riches. The Lord Jesus Christ rejected all that and he said, I don't need any of these things. I serve my father and that's the only thing that's important to me. The third thing that the devil tempted Christ was his devotion. What do you love? The pursuit of the church and the pursuit of many people today is how to teach people to be successful. What do you love? What's your passion? Follow that. Make yourself successful. The Lord Jesus Christ reject that. The devil says, bow down to me and I'll give you everything your heart's desire. Passion means that you are following your emotion. You're acting on your impulses, things that make you feel happy. You pursue those things. That's what passion is. Now, it's not the same passion that Jesus Christ. His passion is very different. His passion means the cross, sacrificial. But our passion today is what we like. And people will tell you to pursue your passion. When we pursue our passion, the ancient equate this to animal going after what they want, meaning food, kill, and survive. That's what passion is. But today, technology makes us into robots. And more and more, we become systematized by the things that the schedule, turn in your homework at 11.59, and you still have 60 seconds to go. And that's the time that you work in, the 60 second. The last 60 seconds is what you live. 
And because we are so constrained with the time, it made us into robots. We are guided, railroad by time. We think about and we dream about and we romanticize passion. Can I just live freely? And so passion comes back into the vernacular and now we are pursuing that in contrast of being like robots. But the Lord rejects all that. And he says, I will not bow down to you. I will not test God. I believe God and that's enough for me. I will not test God. I love him. I don't need to see him loving me back by showing me all these things. I love him because I believe in his word and that's it for me. I don't need to show you and I don't need to show myself. The Lord proved that by his devotion to God. Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. If you face the devil and he tempt you with all these shiny things, your proper response, if you worship the Lord, get thee behind me, Satan. Even to the face of someone who loved him. Peter came to him and said, you will not die. There's no way you can die. Your friend can try to persuade you. It's okay. You don't have to be so devoted to God. It's fine. Why should you be so fanatic about God? Why do you have to go to church every Sunday? Why do you, you went to church on Sunday. Why do you go to Bible study? Why do you have to pray? Isn't that enough? You serve God. You do all these things. That's enough. Jesus' response to Peter was, get thee behind me, Satan. I want to draw a very clear division between serving God and not serving God. Serving God means you serve God entirely and to some extent radically. Is that your life? Is that what your life is defined? Who is your master? To be Christ's disciple, you must pass the Lord's wealth test. Jesus has a test. Can we pass this test? Matthew 19.21 Go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and come and follow me. Do we pass that test? My money, my precious. You don't see yourself that way, but everyone else watches you. Right? Everyone else look at you, and that's what you are. This little golem trying to, in spite of all the ugliness that he has become, going after my precious, my money. Didn't pass the test all his life. He didn't find it. To serve God, you must trust him completely in all aspects of your life. Money is the biggest dependency that we have, don't we? The things that are necessities in life, such as food and shelter, and the Lord says, God will take care of you. Look at the birds, look at the flowers. He will surely take care of you. The question is, do you believe him? It's written in the Bible, you know this verse very well. But do you believe him? No. I still need to take care of myself. Yes, you do need to take care of yourself, but God takes care of you. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, God will take care of you. There's a law. God will give more to those who have and take away those who have not. The more you care less about riches, the more God will give you. Don't need it. Because you don't need it, you can give it away. And that's what God wants. Because if you need it, you hold on to it and it would testify against you. Paul reminds Timothy to be in God's service is to be a soldier in the battlefield. To be in service of God is not to put on this glorious armor. God gives you all the weapons that you want, the weapons that destroy, 
course, all of that is in the promise of God. But to be in service of God is to be first a soldier. And a soldier of Jesus Christ do not entangle himself in the affairs of this life. What is our most significant thing that we spend our time in? If you are a soldier of God, then you should not entangle yourself in the affairs of this life. What we shall eat, what we shall drink, what we shall put on, where shall we go, what happens tomorrow. You're a soldier. God has called you to serve him. Serving God means to be his soldier, and we should not entangle ourselves in the affairs of this life. But seek, Paul says, to please God. That is what the soldier is supposed to do. Seek to please God. Ask yourself this question every night. God, are you pleased with me, my life today? Are you pleased with my life? Everything that I've done. I start keeping a journal. At night, I review. And I say, what do I do? These things that I do, is God pleased? To be in God's service is to do everything that God should be pleased with you at the end of the day. We don't know what tomorrow brings. There might not be tomorrow. Mammon and company. You cannot claim to serve God while spending your time doing worldly things and neglecting the gospel. The Lord warned that you could not serve God half-heartedly. You either serve God fully or you are serving mammon. No one can serve two masters, he cautioned. You would love one and you hate the other. That is how we are built. You can only serve one. If you serve God, then you hate mammon. Mammon, what is it? It is wealth. It is temporary wealth. It is ephemeral wealth. Money is a necessity, but it should not have power over you. We need money, don't we? Jesus needed money. How would he pay tax? To Caesar. He told Peter, go out there, put a hook and a line in the water, fish up a fish, in the fish, there's a penny, take that, pay taxes for you and me. He needs money. Does he have money? He has no money. Where did money come from? The fish. God provides. You don't need it. When the time comes, money's there. You don't need it. You don't need to accumulate all this wealth and then for what? Peter, when he saw Jesus Christ, and then what did he do to all those fishes that he caught? Don't need it. In the service of God, you don't need to drag all that fish with you. God will provide. They got all the fish when they came to Jesus Christ. He was sitting there. What did he have? He got food for them. He fed them. He doesn't need your fish. He doesn't need your wealth. He has it prepared for you. You just need to be fed then so that you can do his work. Riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Riches will fly away. Your riches will fly away. Guaranteed. They will not stay with you. The more you try to keep, the larger the wings will be, and they will fly away. Like every temporary thing in life, worldly riches will leave you. The prodigal son, he got money until he didn't. Not only he lost all his money, he lost all his quote-unquote friends. Money go to where money is, meaning other people. Not going to stay with you. Compare your time investments, you will discover where your heart is. What are you currently pursuing? Wealth, prosperity, fame, or the kingdom of God? Most mysteries are solved by following the money trail. So if you want to find out who you are serving, follow where the money is. At the end of that, that's who you're serving. The trail of your time 
where you spend the most of your time, at the end of that, is money or is it the kingdom of God? Your time expenditure is the witness whether or not you're serving God or you're serving mammon. Rust is your witness. If you're hiding your treasure somewhere and you think that God cannot see, well, you're deceiving yourself. There's a witness who will take a stand against you in the last day to testify against you in judgment. His name is Rust. James chapter 5, verse 3. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last day. Rust will be a witness against you. Not only he is the witness, but he's also the executioner. He will eat you. All that money, the accumulation of all that money, will also accumulate something. And the Bible calls that rust. That is the evil that accompany the love of money. From all that gold and silver you accumulated, your service to mammon comes an adversary against you, rust. Everything will be revealed when the time comes, and you don't have to say anything, because rust will come before God and say, I own these guys. They're mine. Look at the trail of rust. The gold, the silver, your money, everything that you pursue, rust will testify against you. Choosing mammon means to reject God. There's only one decision. Rejecting mammon or choosing mammon. When you reject mammon, then you are serving God. If you don't, then you are serving it. As we spend our time on other things than the kingdom of God, we are diverting service to God. The more time you spend on one thing, you're taking away time from the other thing. So if you are serving God full time, or most of your time, then you are taking time away from them. That's how the time economy works. Matthew 12, 30. He that is not with me is against me. You don't have to say, I don't choose yet. I'm not making any decision yet. If you don't make a decision, you are making a decision to be against Christ. And he that gathered not with me scattered abroad. Not making a decision to serve God means you are making a decision to serve mammon. God does not share his glory. Whom you will serve will be your master. You cannot serve God and mammon. There are two things in our lives that we depend on. Number one, we serve because we need. And number two, we serve because we love. Let's talk about need first. He will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. There are two forces that is at work here. One, you love someone, you serve that person. Or you need something from someone, you serve that person. Our service is driven by these two forces. Our needs constrain us to depend on a master. We cannot be without master. We need to serve a master because we don't own anything. And whatever we have, whether it's wealth or money or things of this world, then the devil will give it to you. There's a price though. But if you serve God, then God would take care of you while he enrolls you into his service, which then you further the work of the kingdom of God. Let's talk about need. Isaiah 60, 12 says this, For the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. Anyone who will not serve God will be destroyed and utterly wasted. Meaning completely destroyed, put into, into waste. God's providence. Without God, we all perish. Ephesians 3, 7. 
whereof I was made a minister according to the gift and the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. God has to call you to be in his service. You cannot, you're sitting here today and I ask you, whom do you want to serve? And you say you want to serve God, that's great. But for you to be actually in God's service, God has to select you. He has to choose you and call you into service. To serve God, it is a privilege and it is a heavenly calling. Not everyone God will call into a service. The Apostle Paul says, according to the gift of his grace given unto me by the effectual working of his power, he was made a minister. It's not that you raise your hand and said, I want to serve you today, and somehow you become God's servant. It doesn't work that way. God has to select you. God has given us the autonomy. What does that mean? He gives you, when we were created, he gave us the autonomy. Otherwise, love doesn't work. Love will not work unless God gives you the, the choice to say, I don't want to. You cannot force someone to love them. You have to give them the autonomy to say, no, I don't want to. But when that person says, yes, I do love, I want to, that's real love. Nature, all of nature obeys God. Nature is subjected to God. But man, he gave us the autonomy. That's why he said, here's a tree. There's nothing to prevent you from reaching out and grab that fruit and eat it. He gave us the autonomy. When Jesus was in the boat and there were storms, the disciples were in the boat and they were afraid, cry out, Lord, save us, we perish. We learn from this account that Jesus Christ has authority over the elements, nature itself. And he's the only one who can save us. But we have to call out to him. So nature obeys God. God has given man this absolute authority when he created and he gave Adam the independence to choose to obey or disobey, to love or not love, to serve or not serve, just like every one of us here. Christ has given you freedom from sin so that you can be returned to that original state where you can say, I want to serve you, God. Would you make me a servant? That's all we can do. But from freedom to serve them. In service of God, there is freedom. But when Adam violated God's trust in him, unbelief sets in. When you reject God's commandment, unbelief sets in, and what happens? God drove him out. If you don't respect God's law, then you should not be in God's garden. Genesis 3.23 Therefore the Lord sent him forth from the garden, Eden, to till the ground, and once he was taken. Adam's rejection led to man's enslavement to his survival needs. So when Adam was driven out, God says, you need to sweat and work, and the land will be in rebellion to you. Before that, he doesn't have to do much work. In service to God, everything is in order. Things will work the way that God has planned to work. But when you rebel against God, everything rebel against you. Look further in Genesis, the next chapter, chapter 4, verse 12. Adam's rebellion against God led to a mutiny of all creation under his authority. Because God set Adam to be in authority of all creation. When Adam mutiny, Adam disobey God, he caused all creation to rise up. Because the master is unfaithful, then all the subjects will be unfaithful. Adam causes all creation to become mutants. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. When you rebel against God, then the ground will stop working in your favor. Nothing will work in your favor. Everything will work against you. And he goes on to say, a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be on the earth. 
Everything fights each other when you disobey God. Man thinks that he can be a master of his own destiny, but when he disobeys God, everything turns against him. Serving God brings harmony, brings order. Serving mammon brings chaos, discord, contention. That's all you get when you serve mammon. The more you make, the more it flies away. Lust, abyss. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of men are never satisfied. You can never be satisfied because we've been sold into sin, lasciviousness. These things that have a hold on you, only God can deliver you. You work, you never get full. The more you work, the less you have. The constant cycle of desire and disappointment is appointed to those who serve mammon. That's what mammon will give you. Because once you're satisfied, you don't need mammon anymore. So mammon is there to make sure you never get what you desire. So you keep on serving it and not having what you are desiring to have. Because mammon feeds on your desires. Without it, it doesn't work. You currently satisfy? Is everything that you have make you happy or you want something else? Now, some of you have the newest gadgets. Some of you might have bought a new car, a new house. How long are you going to be satisfied with those things? The time will come when you want something newer, something yummier, something nicer, something more beautiful, perhaps. That's how we serve mammon. That's, that's how things are going to be. You're never going to be satisfied. You can never achieve what you most desire by trying to satisfy your needs. You can never satisfy your needs because your need is like an abyss. As you keep trying to satisfy it, the more needs that you're going to have. You cannot satisfy it. What's God's solution? Cast your care on Him. Don't worry about your needs. The Lord will care for you. Focus on the kingdom of God and all these things, God will take care of Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. James 4.2 What you should seek is not the gratification of your lust, but who you should serve. Joshua proclaimed this. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Where was Joshua? It was in the promised land. It was in the land that flowed with milk and honey. Everything was at his fingertips. But he found that it did not satisfy. When God had brought them out of Egypt's slavery, out of the wilderness, testing their metal into the promised land where they have everything they want, they're still not satisfied. They are not serving God. And he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's where we're going to find satisfaction. That's the only way for you and I to find peace in our lives is that we serve the Lord. You cannot serve God and mammon. You must reject other gods and serve God alone. Love. John 15, 3. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Now, if you serve because of love, then your service will endure. Solution to lust and desires is not satisfied by them, but to starve them, and in doing so, gain control over them. What does love compel you to do? Sacrifice. Love allows you to sacrifice. The only way for you and I to get rid of the lust that we are after is to starve it. If you starve it, it will die. So will you. But that's okay. Because we need to die. The Apostle Paul says, the world to me is crucified, and I am to the world. 
We need to die. We need to die of this lust because you cannot feed it and have it satisfied because it will never satisfy. That's the nature of lust. It's useless to convince anyone to deny themselves. The only force that's strong enough to convince you to starve yourself is because you do it out of love. The only force in this life that is powerful enough for you to deny yourself is love. Do you have it? Love is a powerful motivator. Love strength is most potent when directed at the object of our desire. What do you love? Is your love directed at the desire of the accumulation of wealth? You love money? You love things, stuff? You love the things that the stuff will bring you? You want to know the truth, you need to follow your money or your time. What do you spend most of your time? What are you thinking right now? What's in your thoughts? Follow those things to the end and you find who you are serving. Is it food, clothing, entertainment? Is it gadgets, cars, or houses? Hobbies, business, education, investment? Let me ask you, can you give it all up? Can you give any of those things up? Can you say no to any of those things? If you can't, that's your God. Love's gratitude. There were 10 lepers that came to Jesus, and Jesus healed them all. Here's what happened. One leper returned to Jesus and fell at his feet and showed him gratitude. Jesus healed 10 lepers, but only one returned, and it was the Samaritan. He said unto him, this leper that returned that was healed by Jesus, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. I want you to focus on this word. Thy faith hath made thee whole. How many did Jesus heal? Ten. How many was made whole? One. What is the difference? Think about Lazarus. He's in the tomb, pretty dead. Jesus came and said, Lazarus, come forth. He walked out of the tomb. Where's Lazarus today? It's pretty dead. So what was the purpose of Lazarus' resurrection? Was it to make him alive from the dead? That's part of it. But that ultimately, that's not it. He died, isn't he? So there has to be a deeper purpose of why Lazarus was raised. I was talking to a friend, and he said, you know, I believe in healing. We pray for people, God healed them, and then they got sick again. Well, you don't understand the purpose of God. If you're healed and you never get sick again, then you would have been immortal. That's not the purpose of God. And what is the purpose of God? The purpose of God is to make you whole. And what does that mean? The purpose of God to make you perfect, to make you like Jesus Christ, who will die, but that in his resurrection, he dies no more. That's God's purpose, to demonstrate to you, to give you, to help your faith to come to him. The ten lepers, one of them were made whole, meaning one of them received eternal life. That's it. That is the purpose of God. The purpose of God is to make you whole, not to heal you from some infirmities. Paul told Timothy, you know, maybe wine would help you with your infirmity. Of all the ailments that you have, is to make you whole. You have read people who have been afflicted by maladies, and they hold on to God being a witness to us today. And we look at them and we say, if this person can serve God without legs, with this person can serve God without arms, this person can serve God without eyes, and I can. God has made this person whole, even though we look at this person and we don't see what we think 
is wholeness. But God has gave eternal life to those whom he made whole. Lust is a disease. That's what we need to get healed from. That is what needs to be taken out from our lives. And then we can be made whole. If you want to be free from lust, serve God. Return like this leper. Fall down and give God the gratitude. Thank God for what he has given to you. And say, my life is yours. The other nine, thank you God for a new life. I'm out of here. But this one returned to the Lord and said, my life is now yours. That's gratitude. That's love. And when you have that love, you are made whole. You are free from lust. Love's motivation. If any man come to me and hate not his father or mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. There is a standard in which Jesus Christ draws. And that standard, when he say hate and love here, we have come to know this is the word in relationship. If you love anything more than God, you are not worthy for him. You love anything more than Jesus Christ, you cannot be his disciples. This is a gradation of scale of love. What do you love most is your master. To love is to yield oneself to the object of our affection. If you are bound to that which you love most and thus become enslaved to us, whatever you spend the most time on, that's your master. That's what you love. The love for Christ liberates us from the oppressions of our lust. Lust is the thing that you, you and I we should fear. His love frees us from fears and doubt and the greatest threat of all it is ourselves. For the love of Christ, we can deny ourselves, put others above ourselves and our families, make eternal and extraordinary sacrifices for the kingdom of God. Ultimately, our focus, our life is toward God. When all your desires is in the love of Christ, you will no longer long for the things of this world. The Apostle Paul says, and I want to close in this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. How do you invest? Your most valuable resource will determine who you are serving. When you exchange your most valuable asset to gain something else, that which you try to obtain is most valuable to you. Person who found treasure in the field, he went back, he sold everything, he bought it. He found something more valuable. Money. What you spend money on most is most valuable to you because you're willing to exchange money for that thing that you want. Time. What you spend most of your time is what you love most. So, if you have a family and if your significant other spend time not with you but with other people mostly, you need to maybe assess your love because what you love most, you spend most time on. Are you investing into the kingdom of God? You cannot serve God and mammon. Father, we come to you with our lives offering to you, and I pray as we think about this challenge that the Lord Jesus Christ has put before us, who do we serve? Who do we invest our time, our money, our energy, our resources on? Like that leper, to Jesus Christ and fall down and say, Lord, I am grateful that you have saved me. I'm grateful that you have healed me. I'm grateful that you have chosen to heal, to deliver. Make me whole. Make us all whole, Lord. Make this selfishness 
and this disease of lust that's in our hearts that we crave after the things that are so temporary and cause us to lose out on the greatest gain of all, the Apostle Paul says, to know Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the lives of those who are here. And I pray as we make these assessments in our lives to bow our knees and proclaim that we want to serve the living God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.